Welcome to the Artisanal Bureaucracy Center on Gnosis. I'm Worker 672-BS. Well, hello there, Worker 67... I'm just gonna call you mate, okay, eh? Oh, damn, right. Uh, Sorry. It's my first day on this new system. I'm supposed to say, I'm Worker672-BS, but if it makes you more comfortable, you can call me Susan. Yeah, I think I'll stick with me, eh? Chainsaw Charlie here, leader of the infamous Combat Logger Pirate Group, eh? Oh, well, I'm I'm embarrassed to say I haven't heard of you, Mr. Charlie. <laughs> well, of course you haven't. I'm infamous, not famous. <laughs> That's the whole point, eh? I do not think that means what you think it means. Look, I, I need some forms, all right? Can't waste my time yapping when there's some business to be done, yeah? But take off, you hoser. Right, of course. So, uh, you're gonna need Form K right here. Oh, yeah, no, uh, take off, you know, I, uh, I don't need that one, eh? But you're a pirate. <laughs> yeah, but I've already got my Form Ks approved. You have to pre-file them before you leave your system of origin. Gosh, you are new to this, ain't ya, Wow. How did you- The artisanal bureaucracy thing is everywhere now. It used to be just on Corel, but it's spreading like a forest fire in dry, unmanaged, arboreal undergrowth, eh? Yeah, that's what I hear, I guess. We just converted over to the artisanal bureaucracy system here. We were losing cargo traffic to the hipper, cooler customs offices, and we figured if you can't beat them, join them. Usually, if I can't beat them, I saw them down, eh? But whatever shivers your timbers. Saw? Timbers? Combat logger? I got it. Very clever, Mr. Charlie. <laughs> I worked up that one while I was waiting in line, eh? What I need to do is set up a corporation to launder and embezzle pirate booty. You want a what? There can't possibly be a legal way yeah, to... Yeah, 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 just look it up, eh? Fine, right, okay. So, huh. What do you know? Form S, Establishment of Unscrupulous Business. That makes sense, I guess. So if you'll just... Establishment? No, no, mate. We're already established. You got our Form Ks, like I said. I'm just now setting up our legit angle for our front company. You gotta have some way to mill the rough logs we chop down into smooth planks for the banks, if you know what I mean, eh? Okay. Maybe it's a Form S-1? Uh, uh, I've, I've gotta call my supervisor here. Time's a-wasting, mate. Oh, 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 that was quick. Hello, I noticed you've been standing here for at least a minute, and Operator 672-BS hasn't given you a single form. Really, Susan, if you don't get the forms distributed, you upset the delicate flow of documents that makes artisanal bureaucracy function. Right, sorry. Now, sir, I'm Operator 316-FU, but you can call me Sean. How can Susan and I help you have an authentic, handcrafted, bureaucratic experience today? Oh, yeah, I'm wanting to set up a legitimate business to wash all my pirating profits. It's through, eh? I pulled Form S, sir, but I wasn't sure... Yeah, 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 and Form S is correct, Susan. See, right now, you should be condescendingly explaining to the walking flannel advertisement here that you control the form flow. Now, where you let Beardy McBeardface and the entire artisanal bureaucracy movement down is that you forgot the addendum. The addendum, right. Yes, you need the addendum N for the non-traceable funds processing exception during setup. Of course, obviously, I mean... This was covered in the training. I know, Sean, but 300 forms in 20 minutes is... Is a, is a genuine, bespoke, immersive experience and sensory overload. I know, I helped design it. Alrighty, but wait, I got a problem with this here form. 
yeah, yeah. Confusion and basic incompetence with simple paper is a common occurrence, sir. That's why we're here. No, 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 no. I, I understand how it works. I run through low customs all the time. It's just that my business type isn't listed, eh? Look, you've got soil linen processing, right. biological activity center, yeah. marketable but non-viable charity cause, Classic, and about yeah. 20 others, but I just don't see mine, eh? So do I mark other, or should I write it down on the side? Oh, 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 sir, sir, I'd thank you, um, Mr. Suspenders and Galoshes, to confine your infantile scribbling to the lines and boxes on the forms, okay? Now, perhaps you just don't know how the business is classified, all right? So what is your front business, sir? Thargoid Refueling Depot. Okay, that uh, that's that's definitely definitely a new one. All right, okay, so Susan, because it's a new business type, not classified in the list of known business types, he will mark the other box and then. Um, I call you. Ugh, seriously, I don't know what I expected. Wait, from what I hear, the Thargoids are refueling on their own. Right, y'all hosers, it's a perfect business opportunity. Someone's consuming a resource and they're not paying for it, eh? That's against common capitalism, that is. The forums, Susan. Um, right. That's that's inception of a new business type. Form I. No. Well, actually, yes. But again, no. Because you took too long. Look, I'm afraid it's remedial training for you, uh, Susan. I hope you didn't have weekend plans. Now, sir, if you could just pay attention to this particular section of Form I right here wait, in wait, particular. Wait. That's not a real business type. Any ship anywhere near those Thargoid ships, it just dies. They just shut down, no warning shots, no beacons, no flashing red lights. Your ship thrusters go offline, your life support shuts down, and God help you if you're near a gravity well, you're doomed. Ooh, you know Mr. Bad Lad all clad in plaid, you know, he's absolutely right. Y'all don't know what it is. So? I need a four mechs here, don't I? Oh, you're a natural, sir. I, I really think you and Susan here are on the wrong sides of the desk. Now, okay, here we go. Suicidally hazardous conditions indemnification form X. That goes along with your form S and addendum N plus your form I. I got them. Great. So, okay, you fill those out right quick and I'll process them for you. Uh, be right back. Uh, Susan, walk with me. Look, Sean. It, you. You don't get to talk to me. Seriously, if I hadn't already fired three of your lame stream coworkers earlier today, you'd be turning in your hemp sandals and green visor and filling out your involuntary termination of employment experience form. It's just that this artisanal thing is a really different way to do this job. Oh, oh, is it? Is it, Susan? Is it really? Well, no, actually, it's not because now everybody's doing it. It used to be niche and quirky, offbeat, but now I'm flying all over the galaxy training corporate rubber-stamping shills like you to... Wait, what What did that guy say he needed a front for? Who? A turtleneck undershirt a lumberjack over there. What does he do? Piracy, he says. Really? Sounds kind of... edgy. My portside thrusters won't stop firing! I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me at Lagrange Point 4. This is Control, be radial, keep calm, and remain on the guard frequency. Sits and sieves, captains and commanders, you've tuned to the guard frequency, and as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. 
This is episode 172 of the Best Damn Space Sim Podcast Ever and was recorded on Friday, June 16th and made available for download on Tuesday, June 20th over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Tony. And I'm Kinjato. And in the audio booth, naked from the waist down, just like any good news anchor, is Henry. <laughs> so what do we have in store this week, Kinjato? In this week's Squawk Box, we tell you about the latest F-35 development that will leave you breathless. Next, we see what news from your favorite space sims has landed as we cover the latest updates from the studios and a deep dive into the details of distributed databases from CIG. And... We talk about that, the return, and much more coming soon for Elite Dangerous. Finally, we turn in the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Crypto, crypto, crypto. This is Jeff saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. It seems things are turning around for the F-35. Yes, the most expensive jet fighter that ever was is getting news coverage this past week where multiple sources said the fighter's performance simply took their breath away. Oh wait, they're being literal. Never mind. Yes, it seems that all of the F-35A fighters at the Luke Air Force Base in Arizona were grounded about a week ago because the pilots were experiencing issues with their primary oxygen systems. The backup systems apparently function, but that's the sort of like the car dealership trying to sell a car on the idea that the main brakes fail all the time. But the e-brake just works fine. That's 55 fighters that cannot fly at the moment. This is the latest in a string of issues for the A variant of the F-35, the one used by the U.S. Air Force. Last year, they had to ground 10 of the jets because of an issue with the plane's insulation. And last month, they had to fix the planes because of an issue with the ejection seats that were preventing pilots over a certain weight from flying. Now, to be fair, it's only the A variant of the fighters that are currently having this problem. And only the ones in Arizona, so maybe it's a location problem. Also, oxygen issues are nothing new to American fighters. Back in March, the Navy told Congress that an investigation of theirs revealed 382 cases of oxygen-induced problems with their F-18A pilots, either from contamination of the oxygen supply or an issue with cabin pressure. Also, in 2012, the Air Force's F-22 pilots were suffering from a range of hypoxia-like symptoms that required limiting mission time and numbers. In the meantime, the Air Force has... Quote, a team of engineers, maintainers, and aeromedical specialists to examine the incidents to better understand the issue, unquote. Takes your breath away, doesn't it? Oh, yes, it does. And it yet chalks up another. I am all for advanced warfare airframes. I love them. I served in the Air Force. I've been on some of the most sophisticated aircraft in the world at the time. And <laughs> some of her, most of them are still flying, Jeff. I know. Most of them most. are still flying. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told, yes, they are. And the thing about this boondoggle, and this is a boondoggle, the thing about this mm. uh, aircraft, it was poorly designed, poorly executed, and poorly project managed. And I just, I, I just, they deserve better. The Air, our armed forces deserve 
a plane of such high caliber and technological wonder that this just it just shames me. Maybe one day they'll get it after they work out all of the bugs. And then what they'll be left with is a fighter with about a 600-mile combat radius that could strike deep into the enemy territory if they could only get there with a living, breathing pilot in the cockpit. Hmm. You know, that'd be that'd be swell if they could if they could do that. Now, I mean, it, now again, to be fair, it has been a fleet-wide thing. It's the F-18. The, if you remember, we had uh, some of those crashes uh, with the demonstration teams, both the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds. The Blue Angels uh, and and the other and more F 18s have been oh, going and down don't too. Don't forget the, Cana- so been- the Canadian uh, aer- aeronautical team too. Also had a couple of incidences. Yeah, the Canadians. Lost, well, I don't know. If, I don't know about the aeronautical team, but the Canadians lost an F eighteen as well. So I mean, it, it part of it's the airframe age. Part of it is that the onboard oxygen generation systems. There must be there. Maybe there's a design flaw in them just all around. You'd, you'd think that such systems like atmospheric control would be well understood physical systems that would be, you know, that that would have some sort of legacy and age and and reliance built into them. The difference is that back in, like, in those days, what they did was oxygen bottles. And those are extremely heavy, and they have limited duration. And when they're empty, they're still heavy, and now they're useless and heavy. So Modern Way is is an onboard oxygen generation system where I, I'm not, I don't know the physics of it or the mechanics of it, but it extracts air from the atmosphere and uh, at the pressure, you know, at, when you get up high, of course, there's less oxygen, but you're flying really fast. And so you ram a lot of oxygen into the system and apparently you collect it and, and then there's enough of the, for, the, for the pilot to breathe. And they have a smaller backup supply of tank oxygen, mm. but, and that's supposed to save a lot of weight. Okay. Um, but I think that's where the, the modern technology, like you were saying, Jeff, there's leg- those legacy systems solid as a rock and about as heavy. I'm surprised they haven't gone to like a fully closed uh, filter system or something like that. You'd still have to have the oxygen on board. That's the problem. No. They're trying to extract it from the environment. You mean like no, 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 a rebreather, like Shadow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a carbon filter. Well, I'm sure all that stuff's in place too. It's just you're going to need a, a supply of new oxygen, also. Yeah, it's it, when once you get above ten thousand feet or so, the amount of oxygen in the air that's left starts to be thin. It, it's not enough to maintain your usual physiology, especially under stressful conditions like high G maneuvers and things that take a lot of cognition, like calculating an intercept vector or operating a complex weapon system. You know, those sorts of things st- uh, suffer quickly. Okay. I mean, so so is it because these jets are such higher altitudes than yeah. commercial jets is the reason that commercials don't, don't see this? Well, commercials, I think, generally have tanked oxygen. That's yeah, what I they, understand. Yeah, they don't have the, the point being problem. to eliminate the weight, this new system. It's just that the new system's not working. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think it's working, but they, I think there's maybe unanticipated failure conditions, maybe what it is. You know, it's like it's new enough that they don't understand where all the weak points are. I read, for example, that the F-22 problem is apparently solved, and they blamed it on a sticking valve or, you know, a valve that wasn't going right. But, I, I mean, that's like, well, all right, that's fine, so fix the valve. Um, and maybe it is fixed now because I haven't read any other reports. But that's the, this is the sort of, on the one hand, it is working out the bugs of a new system. But on the other hand, you know, let's learn from our other mistakes that we've been making. And then we're also finding that these mistakes are creeping out from not just the F-35 program, but also into the F-18s. So there's clearly trouble in paradise uh, up in the wild blue yonder. And uh, hopefully we can fix it before it claims any more service women's lives. Have you read, seen, or heard an interesting science or technology news story you think our listeners would enjoy? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's see what news has hit the flight deck. 
Before we get to more noxious news, we want to briefly cover some of the tidbits that came out of SIG this week. ATV provides more news about the 3.0 slash item 2.0 development, including extensive work on NPC voice packs and dialogue flow. They also finalized cargo grids for holding and transporting cargo on ships. The grids will provide the best layout for stacking cargo containers in ships to maximize hauling efficiency. You can stick irregular objects like ships and vehicles in the cargo base too, but that will seriously cut down on your hauling capacity. Some more engineering work was done as well, including the ability for the devs to update the IFCS system without simultaneously updating the physics programming. Also, work on the Aurora has reached the final art check stage, and apparently there will be up to 14 skins available for use on the original starter ship. On the 10th, a page appeared on the site which restricts access unless you have the so-called Clearance Level Ultra. Said clearance is only available to those who have purchased the Aegis Eclipse during the concept sale last month. However, backers who believe in free flow of information or just have no patience for CIG's sly marketing have leaked photos on Reddit and other locations. If you look at the picture quickly, it might appear to be a door of some kind, but more astute observers claim it's actually a close-up of the nose of a new ship, the Apoa, Knox. Listeners in the know will recognize Apoa as the manufacturer of the Xi'an Scout. CIG has been dropping hints about this ship a lot recently. Large amount of information about the ship was actually gleaned from a lore piece that covered a race exclusively for, quote, open canopy ships, and the Nox was mentioned. Currently, the only open canopy ship is the Dragonfly, so the Nox is theorized to be another so-called space bike. In After Hours on the day of this recording, Disco Lando kind of but didn't really confirm that the Nox will be the next concept ship. He did say that it will be in 3.0, so that heavily suggested a concept sale for it is on the horizon. This just in, Tyler Witkin has confirmed on the forums that the Nox will be sold next Friday for a whopping $40. On ATV this week, CIG let us peek under the hood of the notorious network code. Many games in the past have failed due to bad networking, and the Star Citizen team knows it has its work cut out to make sure there's no desync in its massive universe. As such, Clive Johnson, CIG's lead network engineer, gave an interesting but kind of long-winded introduction into their novel new networking code. The basic CryEngine networking code transfers chunks of data, or state, between the clients for each object in the game. If everyone sees the same state, then everything looks in sync and working properly. The big problem is that all this data is a lot of data to transfer and process but a lot of this data is redundant or not needed as often. As such, starting with Alpha 3.0, the star networking code will only transfer the bits of each object state that actually change. By itself, that would still be too much data. So the networking team created a new programmer's interface that allows the gameplay developers to specify which bits are important to transfer in real time. Altogether, the new system promises to increase your frame rates and decrease your desync. So I remember back in the olden days when Around the Verse was all about, like, uh, see this sparkly yeah, new thing and I check know. out these, you know, spiffy what's it dutzes Now we're talking about, well, you see, when you define your variable in the in the lookup table, the system queries the back end and then updates uh, asynchronously uh, from a token ring somewhere in Singapore. And that's really how we do that. 
they, they actually had to spend a full minute telling you what an API was, which was both informative for people who might not know and, and interesting. They had to define the term. Well, this is the other thing, too. I didn't watch ATV, but I read the uh, the transcript, uh, you know, here, here, here to the relay folks uh, out there uh, for, for doing that sort of stuff. And then uh, I, what it amused me as a lawyer, as, 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 a, as an attorney who has to, like, extract information from people, the first thing out of his sentence was, yeah, so what is a serialized variable? Oh like, you know, he's asking, he's asking the question, what is a serialized variable? And then he didn't answer the question for like six paragraphs. It was like another six paragraphs later before he even mentioned the words serialized variable in the same sentence ever again. And that's what they named their show. They named it serialized variable. You should, you I mean, should actually try and, 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 and watch it because not, not for the content per se, because the content's really dry, but the way that they ended up presenting this, like they had like three different camera angles on the guy. They had like infographics and like 3d models like doing his his uh, analogies and stuff like that it was i i am i was impressed <laughs> exactly this is the driest <laughs> material this is this is drier than the austin episode where they just showed us racks of servers and and a guy wiring and things like that right this is drier than that <laughs> and they like threw like a million infographics at it little things and stuff like that to make it interesting so i i and i you know i i didn't fall asleep you know i mean it wasn't I, I didn't. I didn't find it mentally challenging personally, but this is my you know background kind of stuff. So, but but mm. for someone who doesn't have a background in it, I can see them falling asleep in this and like during a lecture. So the yeah. fact that they made it spiffied up, you know, and kicked up a notch, I, I I applaud them. I don't know if that was Lando or whoever on their their video team that did that, but let me see if I understood it. Let me. I mean, I, I read it, so let me see if I understand it. So essentially, what they've done is they've said. Rather than having to update the tables, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say I'm going to pick these six or eight things that have got to be updated constantly. And within the block of the, the big table or whatever it is, here's the address for the things that need to be updated all the time. And I'm going to send you this data all the time. And I'm going to put a little bit on the front of it that says where that data needs to go. So it's like hit this mailbox every single time you run by post office. Yeah, it, it fu functionally, yeah, it's something like that. You there's an API where when you do a class definition or you do like a structure struct definition or whatever, they 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 put little tags on them, and you say like these five variables are very very important out of these like 200 variables that define the state, and so okay. these are the ones that you have to update all the time. Now. They didn't show the other hooks for the API, so there's probably ways to specify how often all the other things get updated, but there's definitely right. a real-time and a not real-time uh, sections of it, basically. This is, of course, assuming that this is not a new area and you're not downloading new objects. Yeah, when you first encounter something, you're, you have to get everything, but that's, that's a different problem because by itself, like say you want to get a piece of state for something, it's not all that much by itself. I mean, you're talking about a couple hundred variables. It's 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 like a kilobyte, you know. So in terms of raw bandwidth, you're not each individual object isn't that much. The problem is is that you for a, a networking gameplay, anything that's in range of you, you needed it at least at 60 frames per second, you know, or something something in in terms of realistic time that can then be interpolated, right? And then when you add all those things up by the by the amounts the, by the uh, the frame rate, then you run into a you know big problems. And the fact is, you're not only getting this stuff in; you then have to then parse it and deal with it and diff it and all sorts of things to make sure these things change. Because it, it's not just a ship; it's all the ship's weapons and all the modifiers you put on the ship's weapons, and whether or not crew stations are manned or not. And then you've got damage states on top of that, and then you've got the power running to all the different things. Right. 
and then and then and then I shoot something at it, and then the bullet the bullet exists now, and the bullet has to go there. Exactly. Or, or like or a, a person is a good example. Like you want to play Star Marine, and desync is a big problem in Star Marine. Star Marine, right? So you see a guy running around. It's not just a guy. It's you know it's this position and travel vector, but it's all all this information about like oh I've got this many grenades. I've got this texture assigned to me. These texture offsets and things like that. Those are all still in his state, right? Visual information. Visual information that you really only need once. Right. And so into the new system, like if you shoot a guy and he hasn't moved, then you just get a packet back saying what his new health is now. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't need all this other stuff anymore. Right. His pants aren't going to change color. Exactly. His, his height is not going to change unless you shoot off one of his legs and then then he got a problem. <laughs> but, yeah, those are the things you can skip. Those are very skippable. Right. Uh, health, probably not skippable. Um, you know, uh, weapon, ammunition count, not skippable. And and the big thing is that things that don't change at all from going forward don't get, and it don't have any traffic. So if there's a space yeah. station out there that never changes position like most space stations don't, you aside from generally just being there when you load into the sector and you get some sort of data on, on it then, you no longer get you know packets coming from it until somebody tries to open a door or something like that. Wait, space stations rotate. Good point. You get my well, but actually, 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 that brings up a, a, an interesting question though, because at some point, some things may be material now, but not material later, and, and vice versa. For example, since we're all going to be more peer-to-peer stuff with the Amazon system, the ammunition count in my magazine is very material to me, the the shooter. It's also kind of material to the guy, the shoot E, let's call him, the guy that's going to get shot. And so if you're going to get shot 30 times versus 29, that, I mean, on balance, that might not be a big deal. But if I've already shot 29 bullets out of my clip, but the shoot E's client doesn't know that, you know, it hasn't been, it hasn't gotten the shooter's uh, clip update. Is that the sort of thing that's going to be? Is, is that a cross check or a validation that won't happen now? Because the guy, the shooter's just going to point his gun at him and go click, click, and then bullets are going to fly out. You know, is that a cross check that can happen? Do your, do your ammunition states have to match across time and across uh, across depends. It depends on what you're worried about. Are you worried about you're worried about cheating, or are you worried yeah. about people hitting each other? I'm worried about cheating. Because, I mean, a lot of that will be – it doesn't doesn't go client to client. This isn't a peer-to-peer networking scheme. It's all – it's it's peer-to-server, uh, right? So it's all client-to-server server transactions. So everything that you do in the universe is double-checked by the server, and that's that's how they get around the cheating problem. So you don't, you don't get damage sent down to you unless it's been validated that it, it hits you and that the guy had the ammo to hit you by the server itself. Well, my, my understanding was they had some sort of token thing and – people the token was going to change hands now. that's npcs so oh, and, and that's, that's for NPCs. server okay. to server so like so that that goes back to their instancing situation and that i guess that that was i didn't i didn't cover that in this because it's a little more in the weeds but never but, mind we're in enough in the weeds already we, we hey we did we did good to make good radio out of this i mean that that shows our high quality programming here that we did they were talking about multiple instances of servers and the way that you could be in different ones and, and and ais could be handled by different instances as they spin them up in the cloud but you don't want five different servers controlling the same pirate because you know they may if they ever become desync the guy just starts flipping out right so you just want one guy that's controlling his position and sending everybody else updates about what that one guy's position is and their, 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 their thought was, well, if I ever have to spin down that server, how do I give him back to somebody else? And that's where they have like this token, which is basically like a, you know, like a conch where you, you pass the conch back and forth. Right. And so this is a, just, a, it's mm. just a, 
it's a very simple semaphore mechanism for, for giving a uh, handle on, on somebody. Anybody uh, interested in the space bike? I have a dragonfly. Uh, I think it all depends. There's some rumors about it being like a bounty hunter space bike. So what exactly how that works will probably depend on whether I buy it or at least get a CCU. You know, I'll just wait for the game to come out and then I'll buy it, you know, with my in-game currency or, or whatever. Because really, if, it, if, it, if it's that expensive that you can't afford it, you know, in the first you know week or so of your yeah, this should be this should be a disposable thing. This should be like you should just get shot out from under you every week, and you just buy one because it's like potato chips. Mm-hmm. Well, a poa is supposed to be a little more little, little harder to get in in gear in theory because it's it's Xi'an stuff. So I guess there's some sort of rareness factor to that. But but yeah, it's also the other the other big people that will be buying these are people wanting LTI tokens because these this will be the probably oh. the cheapest LTI token that you're probably going to see this year. This week's Star Citizen community question. Are you looking forward to hopping on an alien space bike? Is $40 too much for what they're offering? Want to see more computer science lectures on ATV? We want your opinions for our feedback section. So stay tuned and we'll tell you how to send them over. So we're not saying it's Stargoids, but Frontier is saying it's Stargoids. Finally. Season 2.4, The Return, will hit sometime in the third quarter this year. And it's absolutely the bug-eyed, bug-legged bugs from the original 1984 Elite game that will be our optional adversaries. In an article on GameRevolution.com by Jonathan Lake, lead designer Sandro Samarco teased a large cave-like structure accessible by SRV filled with slimy eggs and slimy walls. And at the end of the cave, a huge scannable structure that... Well, thanks for coming in, folks. Hope you enjoyed the preview and be sure to check out all the alien stuff in the new patch. So, Frontier is keeping consistent with their practice of saying nothing about the something that will come someday. But they're still saying it will come in pieces. And not all at once. On release day! But what is new is the cryptic comment from Ed Lewis, Chief Social Outreach Community Dude, on the Reddit that stated, quote, Where does it say that this isn't in the game until 2.4? Hint, it doesn't. End quote. Does this mean the Thargoid Slime Cave is in the game now? Should we look for it in the 2.3.1 patch? Is David Braben the replacement for Colonel Sanders in the Pentaveret? No one knows. But we are absolutely sure it's the Thargoids, because 1. The season title. 2. David Braben recorded a short video stating how excited he was to bring them back. And three, they wrecked a federal convoy and didn't kill all the witnesses. Well, they didn't kill them all fast enough anyway. During the live stream from E3 last week, the previously mentioned Ed Lewis took a left turn towards Asterope at HIP 1704482 and kept driving for 11,000 light seconds. When he got there, he found a distress call, and at the distress call, he found two disabled Farragut-class battlecruisers, a raft of battered Corvettes and assault ships, and a functioning unregistered comm beacon. And if you listen closely, you can hear a distorted robotic voice spell out in the NATO phonetic alphabet, Thargoid Return. Also, there's a private data cache with an unknown signature stored on it. That's what you get when you scan a uh, hyperdicting flower ship. And if that wasn't enough for you tinfoil hatters, If you pull up right next to the antenna array of one of the destroyed Farragut's, every four minutes, you hear this sound.
and if you slow that down and dust off your Morse code translator, you'll hear Unknown vessel detected. Server purge failed. Ship assets liquidated. Payload destroyed. Ship status lost. So we may be officially at war with the Thargoids. Well, the feds anyway. Yeah, it's going to be crazy times in Elite soon. Uh, yeah, no. Soon we hope. Two or three years, we might actually have to fight an alien. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That was one of the things, too, is that is some of the speculation is that, well, okay, it's clearly it's a cave, right? So the first pieces of stuff that we may be seeing is is on a planet surface, isolated away from everything, and you got to go find it, right? So you really got to seek it out to find this the first of the new content. And then it's like, well, what do you do about the newbies? And what do you do about the people that aren't equipped to handle Thargoids? And are you going to, like, wreck all their fun by, you know, ganking them out of hyperspace and blowing them up for no apparent reason? So some of the speculation is that you're going to have to go seek them out. You know, you're going to have to, if you if you want to fight the Thargoids or be in con- uh, contact with them, you're going to have to go, go find them. So it's, you know, my immersion, you know. I would expect what they're going to do is there will be regions that are just infested with them so exploration can still happen and you might even stumble upon regions that are infested with them as you explore. But I think people will find those areas and know what they are because we've got all these areas that are locked and we know that they're coming to the Pleiades sector, but nobody's getting hyperdicted out by Colonia as far as I know or on the other side of the galaxy or even in the bubble. So it seems like it's going to be an isolated thing where we have to deal with Thargoids in certain regions. Yeah, I, I think so. You, uh, a- anybody here a fan of Babylon 5 besides me? Tony, I know you, you need not answer. Oh, maybe maybe someday, Jeff. Maybe someday. I, I know. I watched some of it back in the day. Oh, well, uh, if you remember the episode, you remember the black spider-looking ships, you know, the, the big enemy, and we all went into hyperspace, and one day uh, we just popped into this zone, and there were millions of them and it's like yeah i expect this to be uh i expect this to be will pop into some sector and there will be all the thargoids so they've been setting up right now where they're just almost they're invulnerable uh yeah. how do you go from yeah. being invulnerable to vulnerable will there be you, what do you guys think like new weapons that will be thargoid penetrators or something like that or or will they be just insanely yeah. hard and they'll be more like boss fights with the way the mechanics work in elite i don't expect us to have new Thargoid only weapons, I'd expect to have Thargoid modifiers added to existing weapons through engineers. Yeah, that's that's I think likely, especially the way they're playing the the storyline, the narrative is playing out with Professor Palin, and Professor Palin needs uh, data and all that kind of stuff. So I, the engineer's mechanic is not an overly popular one with a lot of people, but I think that it's established, and if they fix some of the things that were that are not great about engineers, it could be it could be good, but. I also think that they they need more end quote end game content if if uh, if people are familiar with that sort of discussion. There's the the devil horns. If you're a fan of Priority One, you've heard the Cryptic team talk about the the two problems you have with a big multiplayer game: attraction and retention. You know, big updates with flashy new um, features uh, tend to give you more new customers, but once you got them, you got to keep them. So I have a feeling that the Thargoid stuff is going to be aimed more at retention. It's going to try to keep people who are already maxed out sort of interested. And so it's going to be, I think, you're going to have to go get new things or participate in new areas or participate in new mechanics to get the new goodies to go take on the big endgame baddies. I think it's going to, I think, I really do think there's going to be have to fetch and carry and some, and some questing is going to have to happen 
there may be engineers layered on top of that. But I think fetching and carrying and locating new stuff, I think, is going to be a big part of it. Typical MMO tropes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, and, and it needs it too, really. I mean, the the on the one hand, doing a big update every so often is great because, you know, you dump it on everybody all at once and then they've got six months to figure it out or a year minus the month or two it takes to put on the original patch to fix all the things that are broken. But, you know, an iterative sort of update, one that drops something and then just as people are catching up, it drops something again. I think will keep people a little more engaged over the long term. Henry, you took a week off to play Bridge Commander or Bridge yeah, Crew. Yeah. Right? Because, eh, you've, you've been around the block in this patch, right? I mean, well, yeah, but Bridge Crew was just so compelling, I couldn't not take some time off to play it. So it was more about that than me being bored with the lead. I'm, I'm definitely not bored with the lead. I'm a little annoyed with the speed at which the story's been unfolding. But I, it's not like I needed that break. It just kind of happened because such a great thing came out in the midst of everything else I was doing. But you did, but you did take it. Oh, I mean, sure. it's not like you're not, you don't, you don't feel like you missed out on anything in a no, week for that week. not at all. I mean, my no. ship was parked right yeah. where I left it. And it's not like a bunch of things that unfolded. Uh, when I, when I left to do that, I think the ground encounter had just started for the Thargoids and I was parked in a system. I forget the name of the system, but I was parked right next to some barnacles. Couldn't get the Thargoid ground interaction to happen before my break and coming back I still haven't had it I've tried open I've tried you know private groups I've tried solo still can't find a a way to get the Thargoids to come see me on the ground and I think that's another problem too is that this was hinted at um, in uh, the article but we their theory of how the game works is that people have to go find this stuff right it's not like they say hey come to this system and you know something cool happened now now they broke with that tradition on the live stream because they said go to this system turn left at albuquerque and drive for 11 miles i mean they that was something that was different than what they've done before so i was able to go there and then after a little bit of reddit research find out that antenna thing that was sort that wasn't something that the antenna thing wasn't revealed on the live stream that's something that other commanders had had, had found and and, uh, decoded uh the canon research institute guys uh, did that so that's the kind of thing where I think it would behoove them to give more hints, a little more direction to players to say, if you go here and explore, something cool will happen. I think that's the sort of thing that they probably ought to think about doing more, uh, especially if they're going to be hitting people over and over again with updated content. A little more direction would be nice. Yeah, because it seems like all they do is they put something out there, wait for someone to find it, and then once they find it, um, they depend on that person to spread the word to the rest of the community and everybody else's gameplay amounts to going to see what was found. You yeah. know, they definitely need... No, hit Reddit before you log yeah. in. So, yeah. you know, they could solve that, I think, just by having our, say, our advanced discovery scanners just say something like, there's an anomaly somewhere. It doesn't say go to planet B and land at these coordinates and you'll find it. Maybe it just says you've got to scan this area of the the map uh, more thoroughly and give us some reason to go and look at the planet not just say if you look at every pixel on all the planets out of all the billions of systems we made for you on about 500 of them you'll find something cool there's got to be more direction than that you're absolutely right from what they've said in the past though haven't haven't things come out faster than they were expecting in many cases in a case as far as i know time yeah but there's also been things that we were supposed to find that no one did. Right, right. And then they, I've heard them actually say, well, we were surprised that it took so long to find the crashed alien ship. But that crashed alien ship, the first one found, was on a dark planet in a ditch, always in silhouette or in uh, shadow. 
you know, there's no reason to be, you know, there flying through that particular canyon on that particular moon. There's nothing to drive you there. Of course it took forever. You know, I think they have a disconnect between what they expect people to find, what they think people actually find, and what can actually happen within their systems. The, the thing that was found faster than they thought was found because they released a picture of it and some player looked at the stars in the background and understood where the location was roughly from that and then knew about where to go. They need to just give us that general area where to go without us having to, you know, look at their screenshots to make a star map. Silly. Yeah, I like and I like your your scanner thing too because this distress call had a radius of a thousand light seconds, a, you know, a two thousand light second, you know, bubble is is decent size. It's not huge in terms of you know space. Space is really big, but it's decent size. So like you were saying, Henry, if your if your advanced discovery scanner said, you know, near the orbit of planet three, I'm picking we're picking up an anomaly. If you headed towards planet three and were and drove and you know flew slowly you might hit that bubble yeah. and where you get the you know unknown unknown anomaly detected here i mean that's the sort of thing where they could leverage the mission system either through a contact type menu or the advanced discovery scanner you you hit the scan button and it shows you know unexplored 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 everywhere and then it says anomaly yeah. and that would be so you you don't such a draw yeah. to go to that planet and look at it even if the anomaly is oh there are geysers here Great, you found the geysers. That's great. But you found geysers. Give us an anomaly. Yeah. Give us yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. When there's an alien ruin on there, we know they're giving off radio signals. It's been discovered by uh, the engineer Ram Ta. So why why yeah. weren't they just showing up on scanners as like there's something there? You know, they they unlocked them and now we can see them when we're close. That really should have been the gameplay mechanic from the beginning. I think. I mean, as it stands, you got to be within three kilometers of them, I think, or four kilometers to see them at all. Which is pretty close in the, in the context of yeah. the entire galaxy. This week's Elite Dangerous Community Question. Will you be joining the fight against the flower power spaceship menace? Or are you hightailing into Colonia before the swarm hits? Details for how to contact us with your battle plans will follow after feedback. But now it's time for news we didn't use. Following the theme of Father's Day and Hot Rods, CIG is having a sale on the M50 and the Razor until June 20th. So if you're listening when this show airs and want a racer, get over to RSI's website. CitizenCon 2947 will be held on Friday, 27th October at Capitol Theater in Frankfurt. 300 tickets will be on sale beginning July 1st for concierge and subscribers, then 350 tickets for all comers will be available on July 2nd. going to the Austin watch party, which they're calling VerseCon. And so ah. we'll do like a little mini U.S. con in Austin. That's cool. Uh, I, I toyed with going to Germany, but couldn't find it in the budget. That's a thing. Tony's not covering that for, uh, you know, the fact that it's for the show. I mean, it is for the show. <laughs> the show wants to pay my yeah, airplane I'm, I'm, ticket, let me, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me, let me check it. Let me check out the guard <laughs> frequency budget. Yeah. Yeah. A little short. Coming up a little short there. Tickets to Germany and whatnot. <laughs> Plus, Ken Shadow's beer allowance would probably break us right even before we got <laughs> to the plane ticket. So, yeah, that, that's not going to happen at all. Got to get those those boot steins. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm, yeah. 
Now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he once catapulted 16 chickens into the bowels of an Ethiopian water buffalo, and that he's been missing his hairbrush ever since. But all he knows is he's called the Shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. And a recap of last week's community questions. What do you think of CIG's upcoming changes? Does item 2.0 sound like a good next step, or do you foresee problems? And our question number two is, have you seen the most recent Thargoid behavior? What's your theory on the next step in the invasion? Error Detected writes in and says, Elite's use of RNG as a gatekeeper to linear progress continues to frustrate because it can't truly surprise. It often feels like a room of roulette tables, where you sit and spin for a chance to win your chance to proceed to the next roulette table. RNGs are best deployed when players have at least the hope of happy surprises, the sort that bring them the potential for unexpected empowerment or enhanced play opportunities. But perhaps 2.4 might see improvements in this regard. With Star Citizen, most await 3.0, and the wiser and cautious expectations, not dreams of a breakthrough deliverance. I hope for the devs' sake they beat Gamescom, though if they don't, there might be some beleaguered satisfaction in seeing the whole affair serve as a useful object lesson in the importance of setting realistic expectations. Nimrod77 says, Item 2.0 will bring some abilities and actions that many, including myself, have wanted, such as being able to open a fighter canopy without actually getting in, for example. The implications to gameplay for 2.0 should not be underestimated as being able to allocate power to separate systems that will make systems behave very differently. I hope for the better, but we'll see. Ultimately, Star Citizen needs some gameplay to keep the backers interested, and hopefully 3.0 will bring some. As for the 600i, not really interested as I've backed enough at this point. Pretty ships need to be matched up with the visual progress in the form of patches, in my opinion. Amontillado writes in and says, I don't need a break from item 2.0. I need to get it in my hands and start experiencing it for myself. It's been a long time coming. Everybody can relax. Sean Newboy is back. He was gone last week. Oh, thank God. He's back. Everything's good. He writes in. He says, I was on vacation for the first part of the week. That's why feedback was late. Very entertaining show, everyone. The inventory upgrade sounds intense. I hope it comes out with not glitches. And Art Charest says, Greetings, Guard Freak. I really enjoy ARGs when they're done well, but the NMS ones seem too convoluted and specific to be fun. ARGs, such as the one in Elite, seem to be more open to the community at large and puzzle-oriented, which helps bring gamers together in ways that may be outside the scope of a game. Your discussion also reminded me of the ARG id software did with Doom 3 back in 2004. The Doom 3 ARG involved a specific pair of locked storage cabinets in the game which had better than average gear. Doom 3 had numerous in-game storage lockers which required numerical passwords to unlock. Normally, these passwords could be found in emails between NPCs on various collectible PDAs in the game. However, two of these lockers had passwords that could not be found anywhere. Instead, the password for these were referenced as being part of a Martian Buddy contest and required the player to go to the website martianbuddy.com to get the password. Unfortunately, the website's no longer online, but it was a cool ARG while it lasted. The Doom wiki page has a screenshot and, quote, spoilers, I guess. And if you go to doom.wikia.com slash wiki slash Martian underscore buddy, apparently you can see a spoiler for a 13-year-old game. Um, and then he finishes off by saying, keep being awesome. 
uh, we we cut for time a little bit of error detected, but he had some opinions on ARGs as well. And and basically, it, it, it kind of echoes uh, Art uh, Cheris uh, feedback as well. It's like you can if you can do it and keep people entertained, great. But it seems like it's a little outmoded. If you if you if if it's all it is is just something to keep people engaged, it turns out to be the be sure to drink your Ovaltine thing from Christmas Story. You get your you you say you 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 consume the content over and over again. You stuff your face full of Ovaltine or Cracker Jacks or whatever it is, and then you you send in the the token, and then you get back the object, and then you use the object in the game, and the reward is crap. Yeah, as as we pointed out last week, yeah, the, the the reward has to be worthwhile at the end, or it's it's totally self defeating. The elite dangerous stuff doesn't, to me, say arg. I mean, it is a bit of meta gaming mm, no, because yeah, because you have to go outside the game in order to solve the problem. But all the data that you need for the puzzle is in the game, right? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's weird because you need to have Liam Neeson style. You have to have a certain set of skills. Uh, you know, I mean, there's got you got to be able to like sort of you know run anti-encryption type uh, algorithms, and you need to know some Morse code, and you you need to have an audio program that can clean up background noise. I mean, if you heard on on our sh- just in the last segment that that Morse code there is embedded with your background engine noise and a lot of background static that's just part of the ambient mm-hmm. uh, atmosphere in the in the instance. So, I mean, you got to have tools and knowledge outside of the yeah, game. Yeah, but the almost the definition of an ARG is that it is it is in reality itself and not the game, right? So, even if it if it is a fully digital ARG, you have to go to another website or you have to go somewhere right. else outside the game to get the data. Now, now I'm not belittling things in Elite. Now, that's that's something that's really cool. But no. it's it's some sort of other level of metagaming rather than an ARG, I think. And I think it qualifies more as an ARG than what happened with No Man's Sky. I mean, that was just a couple of letters sent as an, a publicity stunt. No, that what was happens just in a Elite lame is, ARG. <laughs> yeah, but what I mean, in Elite, you're playing with tools that are outside the game that aren't... They're connected to the game through an API, but it's still an external tool all these tools all, the, all these all navigation the tools is, and things all the um, data is from the game that's the important part there's no like there's no coded transmissions on a website i think to qualify as an actual arg it has to interface real reality in terms of where you're getting the clues from like you're never going to um, somewhere else besides the game to get the actual data i i don't know i don't think that's true because everybody doesn't get the message in game to take to the tool to get the data out you get it from the internet because someone else did it with the tool. Everybody's not decrypting those uh, audio files and looking at the waveforms to find the puzzles. And that goes to my feeling that it depends on the genre of the game. I mean, in Fallout 4, I love the metagame stuff that, you know, is out and about. But in my space sim, I'm not too crazy about it. For me, at least, it's all about what kind of game I'm playing. This is this is I think is is a bridge back to what we were talking about earlier about the like the scanners and stuff. As Ken Shadow was saying, the data you need to solve the puzzle is in the game and is delivered only in the game. No one's getting an audio cassette tape mailed to their office, right? So, but it, it, all the stuff is in the game. But once it's solved, there's no way to re-import that data back into the game environment. You have to go to Reddit. You have to go to these other websites to find out how the mystery was solved and the information that was revealed from the mystery. If there could be some way that Frontier could flip a switch once it had been solved, and then people could then benefit from the the solution in the game that way, 
I think that would sort of improve it uh, as an experience for, for not just the person that solved it, but also for the community. Like, you solve the thing and then you go to a certain place and you unlock something and all of a sudden, boom, a beacon goes off and everybody can show up there now. Just for the sake of, of again, of, of defining what I'm talking about here, if you were playing Elite alone and you didn't have the internet, you could conceivably solve all of the puzzles with like, you know, a reference library that, you know, or, or maybe you just say you just knew Morse code or whatever, you could solve all of the puzzles yourself. You wouldn't have to go anywhere else or rely on anyone else. And I think that is at least my 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 point is not an arg by definition. That is something else. Maybe you're still out of game. I get what you're saying. I mean, it's just we're arguing the definition, which I don't know the definition. So you may be right. It feels out of game to me when when we have to go out of game to look at a file in another program that's not included with the game. But you know what this sounds like is a great debate topic for a debate topic for a show. I, I was <laughs> saying what we should do. I was thinking what we should do now is debate the definition of a space sim. That would be like a great way to wrap this that up. That would be awesome let's, too, yeah. Yeah let, let's, yeah, let's do that for another hour. <laughs> or we could just move on to general feedback with Screaming Giraffe, No Man's Space. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I thought that was dead and buried. Let it die a peaceful death. Altier writes in and says, Love the podcast, guys. I'm into Star Citizen, but I love that you also talk about actual space news as well. Keep up the great work. Well, thanks for the feedback, everybody. We appreciate it every week, even if we have to cut you a little bit short uh, for time purposes. But uh, keep writing in, and we'll keep reading it. New patches have arrived. Everyone at a patch level, expect them soon. As the random winner this week, we have Jason. No last name provided. Sorry, Jason. This week's Star Citizen Community Question. Are you looking forward to hopping on an alien space bike? Is $40 too much for what they're offering? Want to see more computer science lectures on ATV? And our elite dangerous community question. Will you be joining the fight against the flower power spaceship menace? Or are you hightailing it to Colonia before the swarm hits? Drop us an email, a tweet, a comment on our show post, which you can find on our website and over on our Facebook page. So, how was the show? Did it pique your interest like an encrypted transmission? Or did it take your breath away like the F-35? Either way, let us know. Here's how you can get in touch with us. Why not leave a comment on the show post over at GuardFrequency.com? Or hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak. Or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. You can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 172 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 173 on June 27th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. But that's not all. You can also subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything on Friday nights, like we all know you aren't, then you should come over and join us at 10 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency live over on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Drop us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K at guardfrequency.com. And you can also support the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. For just $1.25 a week, you'll get access to the raw recordings of our live shows, some Guard Frequency goodies, and an invitation to our private Elite Dangerous Flight Group. We want to thank all of our Patreons who support us with their subscriptions week on week and hope that you'll consider making a regular contribution because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? 
We're active in most space times and would love to have you come join us. You can find us over at discord.guardfrequency.com. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover all things Star Trek, from the TV series, to the MMO, to the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to track them out over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We want to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Charlton Edwards, our staff writer, Jace Pentad, get better, Jace, and of course, our audio engineer, Mike E. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. The genuine bespoke immersive experience and sensory overload. I damn it, phone. <laughs> yeah, there's an artisanal experience for you. Who beat me? Uh, was Elijah. Oh, and then my email goes off. Jesus Christ. Professionals right, turn their on. phones off during live recording yeah, sessions yeah, yeah, for yeah, the yeah. benefit of thing. the audience, out of respect yeah, for right. those that tune in to us that's and tr- give us their that's time. That's right. Next, we will see what news from your favorite space limbs has landed as we cover. Oh, uh, space limbs. Yeah, well, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah. I like space, space limbs. Limb. Yeah, my, my space arm is my favorite. This is Tony, Flight Deck Sync 1. This is Jeff, Flight Deck Sync 2. This is Ken Shadow, Flight Deck Sync 3. This is Henry, Flight Deck and Sync 4. And Tony steps on Henry, my sink every Henry. single time. I'm sorry. I'm such a such a jerk. All right. He's lost his, sorry, he's lost his producer mojo. I have lost the mojo. He's There's no more mojo. lost his mojo, I'm telling you. I know what my problem is. I'm wearing a Priority One shirt on my Guard Frequency show. I'll have to fix that. Okay. Uh, flight Deck in three. This just in. Tyler Whitkin has confirmed. My cat is bouncing around. Hold on a second. Would you stop that? Many games have... Many games have come failed in past. Many go- many games have come past failed in do. Bad to networking. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is word soup here. Many games in the past have failed due to bad networking, and Star Citizen's team knows it has its work cut out for it to make sure there's no desync in its massive universe. And that's my cat, and she just messed up my ad lib fix of that sentence, you stupid feline. <laughs> so many cat problems. By itself, that would still be too much data. So the network team... I'm picking up Kin Shadow Disease. It's like, probably because I wrote it. (laughs) RNGs are best deployed when players have at least the hope of a happy six... (laughs) Sorry, excuse me. (laughs) Swallow time the wrong game second. Dog with my mouth. Where's he at? What's his problem? He knows we're doing a show, right?